Snowman Podcast. Welcome back to the Snowman Podcast. I'm your host, as always, the Snowman. Folks, today I'm going to be getting a little personal with y'all. Because today I'm going to share with you a little bit more about my dad. It's hard for me to fathom that he's been gone for 10 years now. Doesn't seem possible, but it is. I know where he's at, and that gives me peace. And I'll share about that day, which is probably the darkest day of my life, later on. First, though, I just want to share with you a little bit more about him, what his hobbies and passions were, and some fun stories I have forever in my heart and memory. You see, my dad was an avid reading, horse riding, western loving, conservative thinking, rush listening, Christian kind of man. He loved his family dearly, but he kept his faith in Christ at the center of his life. He was never outspoken about his faith, though. He thought it more a personal matter, but he was solid. Of that, I have no doubt. Now, Dad, he grew up in an age when kids didn't have the internet, let alone phones with all the nonsensical social media outlets. He didn't even have a VCR. Kids, you ask your parents or sometimes even your grandparents about that contraption. If a movie or a show came on TV, he watched it as it aired. Gunsmoke, The Rifleman, Wanted Dead or Alive, I Love Lucy... Hogan's Heroes and the like, a passion for these shows he passed on to his family with pride. I'll share a couple of good stories about watching Hogan with him in a few minutes. Now, when it came to reading, he loved history books, pertaining mainly to the Civil War, World War II, and Vietnam. But he also loved westerns, mainly by the great author Louis L'Amour. He had dozens of books, and I don't know how many times I'd walk in, and there he'd be lying on his bed reading a book, usually one of Louis L'Amour's. Now, Dad worked hard to provide a decent life for his family, and we had it rather well. He and my mom were adamant about homeschooling my siblings and I, and I am very happy they did so. I learned a heck of a lot more doing school that way as opposed to going to public school or private school or whatever school you want to say. Now, a common misconception about homeschooling is that they think that the family isolates the kids. That's simply not true. I know for our case, we were very well connected in the community. We attended homeschooling events and hung out with friends all the time, many who were in public school and We all had a great time, didn't think anything else of it. Sometimes when my parents would drop me off at a friend's house, it would be no trouble at all to see them still talking for a good hour or so. And my dad, he could talk with the dad of that family for a good while and have great conversation because they shared similar views. But if one of them had a question pertaining to politics, they knew who they could go to to get a straight answer, and that was Dad. He was very politically involved in his mind. Like, he didn't 
get involved in local politics or doing stuff in the community politically, but he was a brilliant political analyst. He could study things and see where something was going and where something was not going and help other people see that aspect as well. Now, I'll talk about his political views here in a little while, but first off, my parents also made sure we were in the local 4-H organization. Uh, we took part in summer field trips and speech competitions. I remember one time I was doing a memorization recitation of the Gettysburg Address, and I flubbed it. I forgot the words about halfway through, and I knew it. Oh, it was so embarrassing. Then the gal who was in my age bracket got up and recited Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, and she aced it. It was brilliant. Well, anyway, my dad was kind when he said this, but he told me a day or so later that I was not good. But she was. It wasn't a mean criticism. In fact, I agreed with him. But he said it tackily because he wasn't sure how I'd react. You see, I was a bit of a sensitive kid when I was growing up. But with he and my mom's rearing, I've toughened up quite a bit. <laughs> Besides reading, my dad loved old movies. Yeah, I know. Those of you listening are already like, oh boy. Yeah, I got watching old movies from my dad. His favorite actor by far. Want to take a guess? Yep, you got it. John Wayne. Something everyone knows I share the same passion for. <clears throat> no shame in that. Heck of a lot better than some actors we got now. But Dad loved Duke because not only was he a good entertainer, but because in all of his movies, he taught about masculinity, standing up for oneself, and not taking bullcrap from anyone. His two favorite movies of the Duke were McClintock and Big Jake. My whole family loved the massive fistfight scene in McClintock. As it was done with such humor and tact, you can't help but laugh when you're watching it. It is so hilarious. And it happens on this massive clay slide, which is just this slick hill of mud. And they're just punching each other down the hill. Oh, it is so funny. The sound effects are great. The music is great. And you just love how the good guys are fighting some of the bad guys in it. And then even the good guys take a slide down. It is so funny. You got to check it out. It's actually on YouTube if you want. Type in McClintock on YouTube and watch the movie. It's phenomenal. It's a great movie. But. What started the whole ruckus was an attempted lynching of an Indian. Fortunately, the confusion was cleared up before that happened, so don't worry about that. But when the perpetrator wanted to turn his sights on a new target, Duke intervened. Dad loved this scene, and he could quote Duke's speech word for word. Here it is now. We'll all calm down. Boss, he's just a little excited. I know, I know. I'm going to use good judgment. I haven't lost my temper in 40 years. But Pilgrim, you caused a lot of trouble this morning. Might have got somebody killed. And somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But I won't. I won't. The hell I will. 
Boy, howdy, folks. Hearing that quote brings back such good memories. Now, Dad's other favorite movie, and quite possibly his favorite movie of all time, was Big Jake. It was about a tough-as-nails exiled rancher who sets out after a band of murderous outlaws who kidnapped his grandson. Two of his sons join him in the pursuit, but his oldest has a term for his father that the elder doesn't particularly care for. Listen to this other clip, and I'll share what Dad's opinion was on it on the other side. (laughs) I am moved by your faith in someone you haven't seen since he was 16 years old. Daddy. Daddy? Daddy. Daddy. Well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. You're going with me. I hope you can use that hog leg better than you can fight. Does that suit you, Daddy? You can call me Father. You can call me Jacob. You can call me Jake. You can call me a dirty son of a bitch. But if you ever call me Daddy again, I'll finish this fight. (laughs) Oh, that's such a great scene. Now, my dad didn't mind me calling him Daddy when I was little. But when I got to be around 12 to 14, he said I needed to grow up and start calling him Dad. And I did. It was like a sign of maturity, growing up and becoming a man myself. Only my sister could get away with calling him Daddy after that age, but he was a sucker for her. There was one time I remember he was dropping me off at an event and I would be at it all day. Up until then, I would always hug whichever parent brought me before they left. And he was expecting that. But that time I didn't. I just said bye when he said bye. He stood there for a moment and then laughed a good hearty laugh and drove off. (laughs) I remember feeling tough, but at the same time a little remorseful. He was expecting a hug and I didn't give him one. I think, though, overall he was proud of the fact that he knew that I knew I was growing up. Now, here's another good story for you, and I don't remember how old I was. I think I was in my pre-teens era, maybe maybe 13 or so. I can't remember exactly which. Um, but we were leaving a grocery store early one morning, and Dad had the tune of She Wore Yellow Ribbon in His Head. Another great Western. Take my word for it. Well, anyway, he started singing it. And I kid you not, as he sang the chorus, he jumped up and down. (laughs) Now, I don't know if the music just got to him or if he was just trying to be silly. But either way, it made a great memory to look back on. And it stunned my mom and sister and me. We were all just like, what just happened? This is awesome. So... Here is the chorus he loves so well, and I truly hope that you will one day check out this movie. It's such a good one. (laughs) 
Now, with that movie being all about the U.S. Cavalry in the Old West, that makes a perfect segue into talking about Dad's favorite animal, besides dogs, and that's horses. As far back as I can remember, I'd ride with him to the horse farm on the other side of town. He just loved being around horses. And when I say loved, I mean he loved them. He would spend hours around them, watching them graze, riding them when he could, mucking out their stalls even. But he also loved to round pen and train horses. And he round penned one horse that was more stubborn than three mules put together, possibly four. And that horse's name was Sugarberry. <laughs> and she was a mean Appaloosa. Whenever we'd all go riding, my sister and I were the other riders in the family, but whenever we did, we knew we'd spend a good time waiting to go while Dad round pound Sugarberry into a rideable mood, of which only Dad would ride her. I always got old Skipper, another Appaloosa who was old and gentle. Whenever any newcomers came for a ride, they got a turn on old Skipper. But anyway, back to the mean one. <laughs> of course. Dad would sometimes go by himself. And one time he went on a Sunday afternoon. He was on Sugarberry riding around the round pen, getting her used to a rider, and knowing she wasn't in charge. Then things took a tumble. And I mean that literally. The cinch, which is the main belt that holds the saddle on the horse, snapped and Dad fell off. Well, Dad followed the old cowboy wisdom of when you fall off a horse, you don't let them think they beat you, you get right back on. And that's just what he did. He got a new saddle and rode for another couple of hours. Boy, howdy was he sore after he got home. The rest of us had gone to church, and when we got back, I was the first one in. Because if I saw Dad's light on, I could see him before both of us went to bed. Well, I ran into his room and said hi to him. His back was to me, and he said hi back, but said quickly thereafter for me to go get Mom. Well, naturally, I went straight away and got her. It turns out he was so sore, he couldn't get his socks off. <laughs> she went in and helped him. Unsure of why he didn't just get in the hot tub with his socks on, but he wouldn't get in. But it is what it is. Uh, that's such a good memory to remember. <laughs> just the way mom was laughing hysterically at the fact that he's like, why didn't you just get in with your socks on? And he's like, oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> um, so what have we been talking about? My dad, horses, and John Wayne. Well, that has one of the greatest and awfulest memories of my life. And it's got some humor to it. <laughs> and my family will probably chuckle at the story of this and how it came about. But I was about five or six, I think, roughly. It was about that age. We were at the horse farm, naturally, and my dad was helping the farmer put some medicine on a different horse's leg. My sister was riding around in the pasture, and me, well, <laughs> I brought all my toy guns and I was playing cowboy. 
See, when you grow up watching Roy Rogers and John Wayne, you naturally think that you're a cowboy yourself. <laughs> well, I had climbed up into the hayloft and was going to open the door to pretend to shoot out like I had seen in numerous westerns. Why not? Well, when I tried opening it, it wouldn't budge. I tried pushing a little harder. It still wouldn't happen. So I body slammed it a couple of times. Remember I was only five or six? And then I hit a one time too many. And I fell out of the hayloft and hit the ground hard. And boy did I start the waterworks. I was yelling and crying in excruciating pain. My sister saw it and rode over to the fence railings and the farmer came out to see what was going on. Naturally, I mean, I was raising bloody murder. My dad was still working on the horse and couldn't come right away because he had medicine all over his hands. Well, I couldn't get up. They tried like, well, you need to get up. You need it. And I was like, I cannot. I could not get up. So after my dad got the gloves off, he came over, picked me up, and he thought I messed up my ankle. But he carried me to the house and where they got me some Advil and ice and laid me down on the couch till we were ready to go home. Stayed there for a little while, then we did head home. Via Blockbuster. Yes, friends, I grew up going to Blockbuster to rent movies. Dad and sis walked in while he carried me. And we got some candy, and I got to pick out my favorite movie. The Horse Soldiers, naturally starring John Wayne. To watch until Mom got home from some event she was at. I don't remember what it was. Well... She came home a while later, and I was lying on the couch watching John Wayne, as always. And he went outside and told her she needed to come in and look at her son. That's all. She, being a retired nurse, came in and told me to walk across the room to her. I tried and immediately buckled. She then said we needed to go to the emergency room. After getting x-rays, it turns out I had broken my leg. Mom was amazed that I was quite content lying on the couch watching a western with Dad and Sis and not begging to go to the doctor. We all knew she would make the proper medical decision and we were all content to wait until she got home. I mean, it, it, was just, it just made more sense that way. And besides, I, got, I had candy. I had my favorite movie. I was content till I tried walking. Well, <laughs> well let, let's just say that uh, I was in a cast for a while after that. <laughs> now another thing and I mentioned this a few minutes ago uh, my dad was very politically minded he was a staunch conservative Republican probably out of all the people we knew my dad was the strongest in his views I'm not sure how he got his views but I know he had two things he always relied on the Washington Times and Rush Limbaugh my dad was an avid Rush listener. I mean, whenever he was up from 12 to 3, Rush was on the radio. And that was hard for him considering he worked the midnight shift at work. So he was usually asleep when Rush was on. But whenever he could, he would be listening. And back then, we didn't have online podcasts with clear Chris broadcasts available. Rush wasn't even on FM radio at the time. He was only on AM radio. And man, sometimes a static on AM radio was horrendous. I mean, to the point you couldn't hear anything but static. You could sometimes hear Rush say one sentence and then static. 
My dad would keep listening, though. Usually out in his shed working on some project. It was his spot. Cluttered and dirty as it was, dad loved being in the shed. Because he could listen to Rush freely there without mom fussing at him for having the radio loud during school time. And yelling at it. (laughs) Now, he eventually found an FM station that had Rush on and that more or less ended the static. But not Rush. You see, Dad loved Rush because he talked about the things that Dad was passionate about. History and preserving it. Promoting American values. Educating people on the Constitution. Defeating those opposed to America achieving greatness in every election possible. And also because Dad despised with a passion former President Clinton, as did Rush. I mean, if there was a list of the top five people Dad loathed, Bill Clinton was number one. And Rush was Clinton's number one critic and would tear his arguments to shreds. His voice was the voice of millions of Americans like my dad, who didn't have any way of sharing their beliefs easily, except at church functions or family gatherings. So when Rush spoke, my dad would talk along with him. When Rush played a sound clip of some knucklehead saying something so obviously dumb, my dad would yell at the radio. Another trade I picked up. (laughs) It got to the point where we would all be able to laugh about it. Me or my sister would usually ask him, what'd they say this time? And my dad would explain it to us. And we would end up agreeing with him. When we were all learning how to drive... A way for us to get driving time was to go down to our grandparents' house, which was about 45 minutes away. Well, we usually go down when Rush was on. So we got to listen to Rush with Dad a lot. Now, there was one time, and Mom, if you're listening, you may hear something you haven't heard before. So if it's news to you, well, now you know. Just after I got my permit, I mean days after, I was driving home with Dad from somewhere in the morning, And he said he wanted to listen to his talk show. (laughs) He listened to a lot of talk radio. He would turn it off if it got too distracting, but he wanted to hear what was going on that morning. I said I was fine with it, mainly because I wanted to hear it also. So he turned it on and I was fine. Had no problems. When I drove with mom, though, she wouldn't let me have the radio on for several months. Because I needed to focus solely on driving. It was... Good thing to do. All the while, though, I was listening to talk radio with Dad every time he took me out. (laughs) Well, she finally said, we're going to try out how you do with the radio on. I was like, okay. She turned it on, and I was fine. Never knowing I was so used to it by then. (laughs) I was trying so hard not to laugh. (laughs) Oh, man. I remember exactly where I was when she did it, too. And I was just like, okay. Oh, man, Dad's going to love this story. I think when I told him about it, though, he just smiled and told me to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) Uh, Good memories, good memories. Now, another thing about my dad was he was a hard worker. He would help other people out with moving and lifting stuff. In exchange for riding horses at the farm, he would help the farmer go get a load of hay. He would usually bring me along and I would either ride in the truck with a farmer's wife who was driving, but eventually I got old enough where I would help him out by throwing the hay bales from the field 
into the trailer, and Dad would stack them. He would also go down to my grandparents, as I mentioned earlier, and help my grandpop either cut the grass or tend the garden or clean out the garage. Even when we go down every week, that garage seemed to get more cluttered somehow. I'm not sure how he did it, but he did. <laughs> uh, but it made it a good hobby to do. And one time he asked if I wanted to go. And I just said yes, because not only would I get to see my grandparents, but my grandmother made the best scrapple and egg sandwiches. Oh, they were incredible. Mm. But anyway, right after I said yes, he said, I need somebody with a strong back and a weak mind. I looked at him confused for a second. Then his words registered. I was like, hey, he and the rest of my family just burst out laughing. <laughs> yeah, dad could throw some good singers, that's for sure. One year on his birthday, mom said he could cut the cake. Well, dad was just plain tickled. Here's his reaction to that gift. We have to grind it up in the blender. <laughs> that's not I nice. I see any commentary with that. Oh, I get to cut the cake. Oh, you all are going to get a whole lot of cake today. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. But you have to cut it without your glasses. Oh. <laughs> we have to make it somewhat challenging. Stand up. Why do I have to stand up? It'll go easier for you. That way you don't hurt your back. I don't see any commentary with I will hurt my back if I do it sitting down. Fifth Ah, uh, that was a great memory. <laughs> I think you you hear uh, me in the background, and I think I'm looking at a movie that he got, and uh, I was looking at it like, hey, where's the commentary? I'm talking about commentary. I don't know why. I don't remember what movie, but I was solely focused on that. I wasn't thinking about the cake, but my sister filmed that, and it was just great to be able to have that video as a great memory of his humor. Now, I had told you that dad was solid in his faith. He had been raised in church all his life and was in his grandmother's Sunday school class. So he knew all the stories in the Bible. But it wasn't until he was in the Air Force, stationed up in clear Alaska. That's a town, not just saying clear up in Alaska. No, it's clear Alaska. That he heard a message that spoke to his heart. In the northernmost Southern Baptist Church in the world, my dad surrendered his life to Christ and kept that faith the rest of his life. He made mistakes just like anyone else because he was human, but he never let go of his faith. Even when things looked bleak and he didn't understand why certain things were happening, he kept holding on to Jesus and believing that his way was the best way. He always wanted his parents to come to know Christ like he did, but he never knew the words to speak to them. So when I would go down with him to visit or work and we would have lunch, my dad would always ask me to say grace. My grandparents would bow their heads as I would bless the food and that would be it. They respected his faith, but they never talked more about it. I think that was always one of his biggest regrets. But I'll finish that story another time. Now, <laughs> another great thing about my dad, he loved to laugh. He truly did. He would look for humor in a lot of things. And sometimes my brother found us some great old comedy skits. Our favorite one by far 
was Who's On First. Oh, man, did Dad love that one. He would tease some of my friends with it. He'd just look at them and say, Who's On First? And they would either laugh it off with him or walk away in faux disgust. <laughs> to which he and I would double over in laughter. Uh, one of his favorite comedy movies was Dennis the Menace, starring Walter Matthau. We were at the table one time and got to talking about the movie. And then Dad proceeds to tell us, we've all seen this movie multiple times, but he proceeds to tell us about how Dennis gets into Mr. Wilson's medical cabinet and switches the products on poor old Mr. Wilson. Well, Dad got to laughing so hard just thinking about it, he started turning red and having a hard time breathing. We were all laughing hysterically just watching him laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think we ended up watching it that night. <laughs> it is such a, it's such a good movie. Check that one out also. Dennis the Menace starring Walter Matthau. It's a great movie. The spring of 2011... Seemed to be just like any other year for us. But Dad slowly felt something wasn't right with him. He couldn't place it, but just had a hunch. He never let on, but he couldn't keep anything from my mom, who then convinced him to go get some tests done. Throughout all of this, though, he carried on life as usual. He and my mom had agreed to let me graduate from high school that year. And I also got a full-time job at the end of April. And I got my license. Life seemed to be going in a blur. Didn't think anything else of it. The Monday following my graduation, Dad had a major test done. And the diagnosis was bad. Cancer. Melanoma skin cancer. I don't remember how or when my parents called me and my siblings into the dining room and sat us down to tell us. They had told my grandparents already and they were obviously crushed unsure of what to do or how to cope with such news. After telling us it was advanced and that he had best had eight months, we didn't know what to say. The emotions and the wheels in all our minds were spinning faster than they had ever spun before. I remember when we ended talking, and I'm pretty sure we prayed as a family, I couldn't hold back. I just hugged my dad and started crying. I remember him only crying one other time. And that was when he had to put our family dog down. But he cried that day. But through his tears, I distinctly remember him saying, Son, everything's going to be alright. I don't remember anything else I did that day. Not sure I want to either. He was going to try treatment and see if that would help slow the cancer down. And we planned a family trip in September to go to Disney World in Orlando. As none of us had ever been there and all of us had wanted to go. I remember even telling my boss at the time I would quit if necessary. He thought I was kidding. But I was serious and flat out told him I wasn't kidding. As the summer passed, Dad went up to Johns Hopkins for treatment. And seemed to be doing well. I remember one time... He was lying on his bed, and I went in and told him a line from Hogan's Heroes, and we had a good laugh about it. I don't remember the line, 
But it was a good classic one that he had heard many a time, and he he chuckled. Which, um, you know, let me tell you a good story about watching Hogan with Dad. This part of the time frame is hard to talk about, and I really want to share with you a funny story. So, my dad worked the midnight shift at his job, and he would sleep during the day, getting up around 3 or 4 in the afternoon. I was typically done school by that time, and in my free time... I watched Hogan's Heroes on my computer. My mom was a little further down the hall, enjoying her free time, usually watching TV or starting dinner prep. Well, my door was always open. And when he would start to walk past, Dad would notice I was watching Hogan. Well, (laughs) he'd turn around, go grab his chair, and come in and watch with me. We'd be laughing. Usually it's something Sergeant Schultz would say. <laughs> oh, Schultzy. Uh, either that or one of Hogan's gang doing something dumb. But uh, we would laugh about that all the time. But Schultz had the best reactions to everything. And if you ever are around me and you hear me say, I know nothing. I hear nothing. This is where it's from. Here is the real line from Schultz. I know nothing. Nothing. Well, eventually, after several days, if not weeks of doing this, Mom happened to hear us one day. (laughs) She came in kind of annoyed and asked, what was he doing in there? With as innocent a voice as anyone could have, he just pointed to the screen and said it was Hogan. That's all there was to it. (laughs) We all loved Hogan's Heroes. But Dad loved it the most. In early August, everything took a turn for the worst. I got a message from home telling me to call when I got off work. When I did so, I heard that Dad had seemed to have had a stroke or something similar to that. He was in the hospital and that I needed to come straight there. I did so and got lost trying to find the dang proper parking lot. (laughs) But when I got in there, Dad was more or less out of it. He saw me and smiled, but that was all he could do. I remember holding his hand for a few minutes just to be near him. His childhood best friend came in and made my dad smile when he said, You will do anything to get out of work. Dad said slurredly, Thanks for coming. Those were the last words I ever heard him say. Some family friends had joined us at the hospital and were trying to comfort us the best ways possible. Then, a little while... Later, I just sat down in the room and began to cry again. I didn't know what else to do. It was was so hard for me to see him in that condition. They took me out of there because it was upsetting Dad, mainly because he couldn't do anything to comfort me, and he wanted to desperately. That evening, they airlifted him and my mom to Johns Hopkins for emergency surgery to do whatever they could. And we went up the following weekend. I don't remember much other than we were waiting in mom's hotel room. And the Yankees were playing. That's all I wanted to watch. Dad was a Yankees fan and that seemed to help me. 
I remember I was on my way home from work and I got a call from mom. This was another week or so later and saying that they were going to be bringing dad home and placed into hospice care. I was ecstatic. Dad was coming home. Things were taking a turn for the better. I then learned that hospice meant it was near the end. The excitement turned to sorrow in an instant. I remember calling my brother, and I was mad. I told him that Dad was coming home, and he said he knew that. But then I said what I had just found out about hospice care. He was quiet on the other end for a few moments, and then told me it would be all right. When they brought Dad home in the ambulance, I remember seeing him there for the first time since I had been up to see him in the hospital. My heart broke. The man who I had looked up to all my life, bigger than life, stronger than anyone I knew, was lying on a gurney sleeping because he was too sick at that point to do much of anything else. I remember running into his room and going into his closet. His leather jacket was there and I just buried my face in it and cried hard tears. I asked God why. Why was this happening? I didn't understand anything at that point. They set up a hospital bed in the living room and I went in there and as he lay there I remember holding his hand again. He couldn't speak but he could hear us and he would squeeze our hands if he meant yes. His grip was still strong. I remember telling him that we would watch one of our favorite movies together under California stars with Roy Rogers. He squeezed my hand saying that he wanted to but for some reason it never took place. One of my biggest regrets from that time. My mom encouraged my brother and I to still go to Bible study, as that was better than sitting at home doing absolutely nothing or not knowing what to do. We went, and each of us talked one-on-one with the two other guys who happened to be there that night. And I remember I asked them if they could just come over and pray with Dad, and they both readily agreed. I think I remember Dad opening his eyes for a moment, but he couldn't say anything. They prayed for Dad and then prayed over all of us to give us comfort and peace of heart and mind. Over the weekend, my mom explained to me it wasn't going to be much longer and that I needed to prepare myself to say goodbye, not just good night or good morning. I didn't want to even consider that. But deep down, I knew she was right. Monday evening, I kissed Dad goodnight and then whispered goodbye to him. I then went with my sister into my parents' room where we started watching The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. We ended up both falling asleep. The next morning, I can't remember exactly what time, I knew it was early, when we woke up and started towards the living room. Mom and my brother met us in the hallway and told us Dad had passed away a little while beforehand. My sister broke down immediately and I just wrapped my brother in a bear hug. Our family friends came in just minutes later, and each of them embraced us and just held us for as long as we needed. When the funeral home attendants arrived and they took Dad out of the house, that's when I lost it. I cried harder than I had ever cried before. Mom just went out with me and hugged me with as much care as she could give as she had just lost the love of her life. 
our pastor came over as well as my uncle and grandparents. And as we sat around the table, I got a text from one of my Bible study mates. He just sent me a text of encouragement and prayer of God's comfort. And my pastor said, as soon as I read that text, my demeanor changed on a dime. I didn't feel like I had, but what he said always stuck with me. That afternoon, my mom and brother had gone to the funeral home to start making arrangements. Everyone else had already gone home pretty much. Always a phone call if we needed them. My aunt and uncle had came over for a little while to just be with us. And we were having a nice enough visit, as nice enough as that dark day could be. And then something odd happened. My uncle tried getting my sister's dog to come over for a treat. Usually it would be no trouble getting him to come over. But that time he just lay down and didn't budge. We were all a little perplexed. But then the next thing we knew, the house shook slightly. We were all like, what just happened? We turned on the TV and found out that a 5.8 magnitude earthquake had just hit the Piedmont region of Virginia and D.C. Since we were across the bay, we only felt a slight tremor. But it at least made us realize why the dog had not gotten up. He knew something was about to happen. That day, I remember it was more afternoon, evening, but friends of ours started making some nice comparisons uh, in regards to Dad and the earthquake on Facebook or email or something like that. One said it was felt like Dad was galloping across the sky with a herd of horses, guiding him into heaven. Uh, another said that when he entered into heaven, the applause was so loud it felt like an earthquake. But for me, I thought of the thing that would have tickled my dad's fancy. He would have laughed for days afterward. I said that as dad left this world, he shook up Washington. <laughs> you see, Obama was president, and he was vying for the most despised political figure on my dad's list. A position held exclusively for Clinton up until that time. So it makes a great thought that as dad left for heaven, he made Obama unsteady. <laughs> he would have grand ear to ear knowing that it happened. <laughs> At his funeral, a few days later, I remember going into the church's sanctuary and just standing up at the front where his memorial was. He had been cremated, and thus there was no casket. I don't think I would have wanted there to be one, to be honest. My dad loved Christmas music, so we were playing Mannheim Steamroller's Christmas albums as the interim music. There was an honor guard from Dad's work there that stood outside. I unfortunately never got to see them. They had arrived after I had already gotten there. Members of the American Legion were there, to perform the military honors. Dad served in the Air Force from 71 to 75. As the funeral got underway, our pastor got up and addressed everyone. He then proceeded to share Dad's last gift 
to everyone there. You see, my dad hated neckties. I mean, with a passion. He only ever wore them when mom forced him to, and that was with an argument every time. He's like, I do not want to wear these things. I remember one time I was doing slides for church on Sunday morning after I graduated, and he walked in, and I was wearing a tie because I had always worn a tie. But he just pointed at it. He's like, why? I didn't know why. But I immediately untied it and put it in my pocket and never wore it again. (laughs) I truly tell you the truth. I did not want to. I was like, why the heck am I still wearing this thing? (laughs) I mean, I've worn a couple of ties since then, but... It was just like, he, he his expression was just priceless. Like, why? I was like, I don't know why. And I took it off right there. Well, at his funeral, almost every man was wearing one. And so, as we had planned, the pastor explained how my dad hated neckties. And then told every man who was wearing one to take it off because that's what dad would have wanted. The entire place erupted in laughter. It was a nice moment on such a dark day. At the end, members of the American Legion performed the flag folding ceremony and presented the flag to mom. The bugler then played taps from the back of the room, and then it was over. I didn't realize until afterwards that there were so many people there. It was standing room only. I'd say close to 400 people had come. Not all had stayed, but most had. I was blown away. I had no idea Dad had touched so many people's lives. It was incredibly humbling. Dad didn't want to be buried in a cemetery. He wanted to be buried beneath a new tree which would be planted and grow up providing shade for anyone who wanted to sit beneath it. We planted it behind the church as we did so, sang two of Dad's favorite songs. The hymn he loved most, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And his favorite Christmas song, Silent Night. As we sang Silent Night, I remember holding the words in my hand. And I couldn't see them. They were a blur. My eyes were just filled with tears. And I I lost it. I just got into a crouching position next to the tree and didn't hold back. Mom hugged me and I just kept crying. I didn't feel embarrassed and nobody brought it up afterwards, of which I was grateful. That was almost 10 years ago. 
The years have come and gone since that day. Till now, it is ten years since he passed. Part of me can't believe it, but another part does. I have grown up a lot since then. Had no choice, really. I've had to make a lot of big decisions over the years, and some of them I wish I could have gotten Dad's input on. But I haven't got that option anymore. Luckily, though, I've got some great friends who have been like family to me over the years and have helped me with those choices. And I know it was God's doing that as I lost my dad, I had one friend who just stepped in and he acted as a brother in Christ, as a friend. And to some extent, I felt as if he was like an adoptive father. And I remember I sent him a text one Father's Day, just explaining that to him. And he he was blown away by that. And I don't say that to puff either of us up. I just say that to let people know that when something catastrophic happens, God's not turned his back on you. I could have blamed God. Why? Why did you take Dad? A Christian, God-fearing man who loved his family, loved his country, raised us well. Why did he have to die at such a young age from such a disgusting disease as cancer? And... I still to this day don't know why, but I know that God had a plan through it all. And I don't know if it's because I just grew up and became a man that year or what. But I know that God was at the center of it and that he had everything under control. Dad was called to heaven much earlier than any of us wanted him to go. I've often joked that in memorial posts on Facebook or other venues saying that Dad's up in heaven right now working in the stables. That's where he, that's what he told Mom. That when you get to heaven, you come looking for me, find me in the stables. I'll be mucking out the stalls or tending the horses. I'll be in there. That's where you'll find me. I remember hearing that my mom asked him about his faith at that time. And they were talking about different aspects of it. But she asked him if one person could come to Christ through all of it. Would it be worth it through this experience of him holding on to Christ through the diagnosis, through the treatment, through his, through his death. If one person would come to Christ and he said, yes, it would be worth it. 
and friends, I'm here to tell you my grandfather was one of those people. Shortly before his own death, I shared with him a letter that I had prayed about and asked him if he was a Christian, and he said yes. And I have to think that some of those seeds that were planted and watered as a result of dad's diagnosis and funeral and the message the pastor shared and the songs that were sung, that it had to have planted something in my grandfather's heart. And I pressed him on it. I was like, you're not just saying this to make me feel good. And he goes, no, I believe. So I know that one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to see my dad and my grandfather, both. My dad will be in the stables and my grandfather will be in the machine shop up there. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind about that. Jesus will be standing there with them. And I'll get to see them again. There's so many Christian songs about death, heaven, knowing how to cope with it. The one that ministered the most to me, and I'm going to close after this, was Jeremy Camp's song, I Still Believe. I still believe in your faithfulness. I still believe in your truth. He wrote those words after he lost his wife to cancer. So when I lost my dad to cancer, those words resonated with me vehemently. And when I've sung along with that song, it always has gives me so much emotion. There are songs out there for you, I know, that do the same for your own life. The scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start. But it's now that I feel like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain as I still believe and your
scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart I've never felt so torn before seems I don't know where to start but it's now that I feel you graceful like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain as I still believe and your As I said, I'll be closing here in a minute. I, I want to thank you for listening to my stories about Dad. I know it's a little longer than some episodes have been in the past. But I just have two more things I want to say. I would like to share with you my dad's graduation letter to me. And these were the last words he ever wrote to me. He didn't write much, but when he wrote or said anything, he meant it from the heart. So this is, this is what he said. Well, son, you've done it. You have graduated, and now you're going to think that life is going to start all over. The employment you are doing right now, more schooling and training in a chosen field, and other things you take on. Don't be afraid. If you fail in something, remember what Thomas Edison said about the light bulb. When he tried 3,000 different methods of getting the light bulb to work, they accused him of failing 3,000 times. No, he said, I have not failed. I have discovered 3,000 ways not to make a light bulb. Your mother and I are proud of you. And we know you will be able to do anything you set yourself to do. Make sure it is righteous and honest. I love you, Hunter. Love, Dad. As Dad was a cowboy in every sense of the word, there's one last song I want to play for you. And it's by one of our favorite groups growing up. And one of his favorite uh, watch or listen to the sons of the pioneers sang the best version in my opinion of the last roundup and it's about how a cowboy was going up to heaven here's that song For the last time and wrong. 
time your tears were dry. for this episode of the snowman podcast more so than other episodes i've produced i want to sincerely thank you for listening to today's episode i truly hope you enjoyed listening to it please share with your family and friends they can subscribe and listen via spotify or itunes if you liked it please leave a five-star review so as to make it easier for them and others to find it But as I always say, you can find me by just typing in the Snowman Podcast and looking for an American flag with a snowman in the foreground. Till next time, this is Snowman, and I'll see you now, yeah? Curly! Yes, boss? Don't say it's a fine morning or I'll shoot you.